Good evening, this is Nick, and this is Bike Talk, and we're tonight with Stephen Box and Crossroads. Hi, Stephen. Hey, Nick. Thanks for uh, having us, and thanks for your faithfulness to Bike Talk. Well over a decade of weekly uh, radio talking about uh, bikes, the journey, the adventure, the community, the fun. Absolutely. For keeping us going. Hey, uh, Nick, tonight's a special episode of Crossroads, and Crossroads is where we set out to uh, talk to activists and policymakers and neighborhood council uh, community leaders and talk about the opportunities to work together. And it's a special evening because we've got uh, John Jones III and Yolanda Davis Overstreet, along with some special guests from the um, East Side Riders Bike Club. And we're going to talk about a special significant accomplishment of theirs. So, um, you know, typically the folks that we have on the show, Nick, are folks that we know from uh, from around town. And uh, John is someone that I know from uh, City Hall. And I also know him from the League of American Cyclists uh, League Certified Instructor Training. We had a pretty significant uh, class over at USC training trainers who end up going out there and train folks to become confident city cyclers. And Yolanda, Yolanda and I crossed paths many, 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 many years ago when she was on the Bicycle Advisory Committee for the city of L.A., the advisory committee of many years ago. So, uh, John, if we could... um, when I met you, you were uh, working at City Hall, representing uh, City Council office in the community, and uh, our paths would cross at uh, neighborhood council meetings, and um, you would be representing in the community, sort of bridging the gap between City Hall and the neighborhoods. What neighborhood were you working? Uh, I'll take care of the Watts and Harbor Bayway areas for Councilman Buscaino. Excellent. Um, so he's, how many years has he been in office now? Six. He's been in office six, uh, gone seven years. Seven years. So I know him as a great transportation activist. I think he's the one person that's ridden his bike to City Hall, and I think he has the h- longest distance to go. Yeah, every year, uh, Bike to Work Day, we ride uh, about, what is it, 25, 26 miles yeah. from San Pedro City Hall to Los Angeles City Hall. That's awesome. He didn't pick the uh, the session when they were in the valley. That would have been a great ride. <laughs> that would have been a great ride. <laughs> um, no, but I know that he's been a strong supporter of a lot of the innovations on the streets with regards to making the streets safer for everyone, not just cyclists, but pedestrians, everyone that needs to get across the street or anywhere, uh, not in a car. So I do I do uh, appreciate the entire office's support. So you were there the entire six years, yeah? I've, I was there uh, five and a half years. Um, I'm, I haven't fully left. Um, I'm there uh, kind of in and out, um, but I am going to uh, be leaving uh, the councilman's office and going over to um, probably one of the best police departments in the city of Los Angeles. Yeah? Yes. Excellent. So um, <laughs> congratulations. Yeah, thank you. So along the way, though, when I, when I originally met you, it was before you were working at City Hall, actually, um, and it was you know in your capacity with the Eastside um, Riders Bike Club. How long have you uh, had the club going? So our club is uh, 10 years old. Um, started with just a conversation from my father wanting to do a bike club. And um, I seriously didn't want to do a bike club. Um, I wanted to I wanted to um, drive drive around. Um, yeah. I'd have no interest in riding a bike through the streets of Los Angeles or even advocating for safer streets um, in the city of Los Angeles. You know, the neighborhood that you're representing has some of the widest streets, some huge boulevards. They're great to ride, except they're also really fast. 
but I've had some fun bike rides uh, down to the Watts Tower, for example, with the L.A. Wheelman. Um, and we've done some great bike rides all the way down to San Pedro. Uh, mm-hmm. We had one where we toured the port in the middle of the night. It's a great ride to get there, but it's a little bit of an incline all the way back up to Hollywood. Yes. <laughs> it's yes. deceptive, that incline. The original idea for the bike club was what, just to hang out? My father's idea was to hang out. He wanted to hang out, uh, show off nice, clean bikes um, at the park and barbecue every now and again. And um, that's when initially I told him, no, I don't want to be a part of it. Um, that was um, maybe 11 years ago. Yeah. And then I went back to him after a while. I got laid off my job. Went back to him and said, hey, let's, uh, let's talk about this bike club thing. And uh, we talked about it. And I remember it as a youth. My mom always uh, gave food to the hungry. She always uh, had people at our house. She was always open to folks, and uh, she always, you know, gave things away. So I wanted to incorporate some of the things that my mom did at the house, not on wheels, and we do it on two wheels where we can go out to the people and help them. And part of it was uh, feeding the hungry. Uh, Part of it was getting kids involved to do uh, bicycle safety. Um, It was just a bunch of different um, ideas that I never thought that we we would get to. But in these past 10 years, um, we accomplished most of our goals that we set out um, in the beginning, getting people involved, getting seniors involved, getting uh, bike lanes in our communities. Only one thing that we haven't finished, and we're still working on it, and it can work on forever, is feeding a million people um, through uh, the sandwiches that we give out. And and now we incorporated pancake breakfast and and taco days. And so we want to get to our goal of feeding a million people. But chunk it off um, year by year, month by month. That's awesome. Th- looking back over my childhood, I remember two really significant moments. The first one was when I got my first bike. Mm-hmm. And the second one was when I got a paperboy bike. Paperboy, but ah. Yeah, a bigger bike, and it had the... Anyway, and I still have the photos of me on those two bikes. And those were huge moments. I guess there were milestones of maturity, if you will, because when I went from... Uh, to the first push bike, and then that's what we called them, and then the second, the paperboy bike. Have you incorporated getting kids on bikes into your programming, like in the recent holidays? Yeah, so um, part of us getting kids on bike, um, this year we, well, the past two years, uh, Christmas, we was uh, sponsored with uh, Sunday Bikes um, uh, out in uh, Norwalk, and um, it's a BMX company. They gave us about 20, 25 wow. bikes. And we, we take those bikes within, however, if they give it to us 10 days before Christmas, then we do 10 days of giving. This year it was about three days. Yeah. And uh, we did three <laughs> days. Um, we had 14 bikes, and wow. um, we did 14 kids in, in three days. Yeah. So we, we blessed 14 kids with brand-new bikes um, just, just off of that initiative. Um, and, and then through our bike club, we bought a bunch of bikes and helped put, put together hundreds of bikes uh, throughout, throughout the holiday season. And uh, we know at least 500 to 1,000 kids got bikes um, this year for, for, for the holidays because of um, um, various generous people. That's awesome. That's awesome. You know, we talked about, um, uh, Nick and I were talking about this um, a couple of radio shows ago. One of the things I regret as an activist is not um, engaging the next generation because mm-hmm. we were so much in the now moment that we weren't really good at planting seeds. You know, and then looking back, there's sort of a gap because the moment, yeah. you know, one group slows down, it's like you've got to get the next one ready. Right. And Alex Thompson, as a matter of fact, had that as one of the platforms for the uh, for an activist workshop was to start young. And so I kind of um, think that uh, what you're doing is really cool for that reason. Yeah. But you brought a couple of friends with you tonight. Yeah, we brought a couple of young guys um, that that's in our club. Um, they are part of... Um, 
we have the president and the vice president of our uh, ESR babies, as we call them. Um, <laughs> we awesome. are, we, you know, these are the younger kids, yeah. um, anywhere between six years old and ten years old. The two we have today is ten, and um, what we're what we're doing is um, we'll have our ESR babies. These guys in a couple of years will move up to just you know Eastside Riders, um, the youth, and so we have ESR babies, ESR youth, and then you have the Eastside Riders Bike Club. Um, these two. Is, is two of six kids mm-hmm. that um, wrote a book um, with uh, Fab Five and uh, um, RLMG. Um, um, Fab Five, um, C.J. Miller came to us and asked us about doing a book. When he wanted us to come do this book, he thought that we had what we have, uh, ESR Youth. But um, it turned out we have ESR Babies, the youngsters. And he almost, the day when he came in, he almost said, you know what, it's not going to work. Because the kids were so young, and I told him, you don't, you, you don't know yet. Give these kids a chance. He sat there and gave them a chance, and he found out that these kids are so smart. Um, they're courageous. Um, they have a story to tell. And um, seven weeks later, we was done with the book. Um, Ten weeks, we was uh, we was bringing it um, and having an autograph session with these kids. So um, Nathan and um, China is here today with us, and um, they are two of the young authors. And bikes need love too. Excellent. So. You said China? Uh, yeah, that's our name. Di- yeah. Diamir. Diamir. So China, um, there's uh, – Nick and I both went on Amazon to get the book, Bikes Need Love Too. Mm-hmm. And uh, <laughs> and um, so we're – congratulations. It's an awesome accomplishment. Um, so China and, – and and there was there was six chapters. Six chapters, six kids. Each one of them – each chapter, each kid is – Telling a personification of a bike story. Correct. I think that's really cool because, you know, storytelling is a fundamental gift. And one thing to add in there yeah. before you get there, we also have one kid who um, who is who has autism, right? Mm-hmm. So that's why you have a coloring book section inside here because he was part of every class. Mm-hmm. Um, and his story was to be able to have his story drawn out. Um, at, so you can, you can color. You can color. You have pictures of folks in the bike club. And that's his contribution to this book because he was there every week every week he was there um you know we had a um uh, the first uh activist workshop this past week and storytelling is such an integral part of uh an activist life a community leader's life a parent's life a good neighbor's life you know like storytelling is i think something that we um could place more value on nick the teacher yeah Maybe yes. you can take that back to LAUSD and make a recommendation. More storytelling. More storytelling. I will. And uh, less uh, study hall and detention. <laughs> but, uh, China, could you tell us about your uh, chapter in Bikes Need Love, too? Uh, yeah, sure. Um, <laughs> uh, well, Speaking to the mic. Well, my story is about a saddle, and it's about how she's sad that she's been separated by her mom. But at the end, she finds like a owner, and she be happy because her owner gets her mom on like on her bike, on her mom's bike. That's all. <laughs> That's awesome. So, uh, did you enjoy the the workshops and the classes? Yeah. Uh, with the uh, riding coaches, were they coaches? Yeah, it was. Uh, it, he he's a uh, Arthur. Um, he he. His name is C.J. Miller. When he did work, um, he was a teacher mm-hmm. for uh, Green Dot, and um, he wanted to figure out something else that he can do with his life, something like 
me, I guess, um, something that was more fulfilling and rewarding right away. And he said he wanted to give kids the opportunity to be authors when they when they're young. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, he he did a great job with us. Um, he, he's done more books and Watts, but I think this is the most it's my organization. So yeah. this is the most <laughs> it's the most rewarding one that he's ever done, because not only did he have to go back and figure out how to work with the younger kids, yeah. but it was six different kids. Uh -huh. And then you had you was you was going into the bicycle community. So that broadened his scope of work by probably 10, 30 folds when you hop into the bike community. That's awesome. So, Nathan, what was your uh, uh, chapter about, your story? Uh, my, chapter my chapter was about uh, bells, and then it was about the part about, about a bell who, who his name is Jose, and then and the owner was named Tony, and then when it was his Tony's birthday, um, all his friends at his school and his neighbors uh, was around him. Jose was nervous then, and but when Tony first saw him out of the package, I mean from the present, uh, Tony was happy because I he because Jose was his two favorite colors, black, red, and blue. Excellent. You know, uh, I, I, I love that story uh, about the bell. You know, I went to an Office of Traffic Safety conference in Sacramento. They're one of the uh, state, state of California has like uh, CHP, Caltrans, um, Office of Traffic Safety, et cetera. There's like five different areas that handle transportation. But Office of Traffic Safety puts out a lot of funding for projects. And, and uh, Yolanda can probably talk about that a little bit because she loves money from the government to improve our streets. But um, this, this conference had um, recipients of this transportation funding from all over the state. You've never seen so many law enforcement advocates or personnel in a banquet hall, but, you know, because a lot of the money goes to police departments mm -hmm. for enforcement and enforcement strategies. And there are a lot of engineers, and that's a serious group also. And, um, but there were some bike activists, and apparently they'd been doing it for a while because they all brought bike bells in the room and when everyone else is applauding right which um which and there were hundreds of people and then there was this little contingent with bike bells and ever since then i've thought that as cyclists if nothing else we should all put a bike bell on our belt loop right and uh that way we can make sure that everyone oh, knows heard the bill, <laughs> heard the bill. <laughs> <laughs> so nathan that's an awesome story um how often do you guys ride with uh John Jones the third um, and the rest of the East Side Riders. Uh, you go first. Or? <laughs> right here. Okay. So bring the mic. There you go. So we usually ride um like about in the weekends or sometimes we ride like uh, on Tuesdays or Thursdays. Uh -huh. Cool. Like so, what is one of your favorite parts about uh, being in the bike club? You know, um, what 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 what's the highlight for you? Um, meeting new people. Meeting new people. Um, yeah. Do you enjoy going out and um, and feeding the hungry? Yeah. The pop up, pop up um, uh, pancake breakfast or taco giveaways. Yeah, because last time it was my birthday when we did it. Yeah, we it did it birthday. on your birthday. Yeah. You have awesome. a, and you have a nice birthday. <laughs> <laughs> I think we share a birthday. Do you? <laughs> yes. <laughs> That's awesome. Nathan. 
So tell us your favorite part about being in the bike club. Uh, it's everything. Okay. Uh, what 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 do you enjoy the most? Uh, I just the most to feeding the hungry. Feeding the hungry. Um, and both of your, your your parents, so both of your parents is involved um, in a big way, um, and that's part of you know Eastside Riders. We want um, parents parent involvement mm -hmm. with their kids. Um, because most of the time when you play sports, your parents drop you off at practice right. and they might come to a game or so. But um, through the bike club, we're asking parents to be there with their kids every step of the way. So the kid can actually see, you know, um, their parent, their kid growing and they can have a better bond. Motivation is everything when when you're there mm -hmm. every week, every every time your kid go out and do something, no matter how old you are, really. Right. If your parent is there with you, that's motivation for you. So, mm -hmm. so uh, who handles all the maintenance? He's not here. His name is Juan, our yeah. maintenance guy. Um, he's, he's, he's in the book as well, um, Bikes Need Love Too. Um, he, he's our, our maintenance guy. Um, but on the adult side, um, everybody, me, uh, myself, um, Leroy, our vice president, my father, um, everybody chip in to make sure bikes are, are good, especially when we get bikes in and we do our bike safety classes. Mm -hmm. um, we have to go through the bikes first to make sure that those bikes are good to ride. Um, so then when we give them away to folks or when they come in and do their little fixing that we show them how, we know that that bike is good. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. We talked about this, uh, I think it was with, uh, we do a session called uh, Dads on Bikes. But one thing I notice is that a lot of kids get a bicycle for Christmas or birthday. Um, and kids grow so fast mm -hmm. that they're riding a bike that, one, hasn't been maintained. Mm -hmm. So the thing's weebling and wobbling and wants to turn left on them all the time. And um, the other thing is it's just not sized properly. Right. And sometimes it's something so simple as maintenance and a, a little adjustments. And this is true for adults, too. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But adults aren't growing. They're just, you know. Yeah, we're growing the other way. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, but the, the, the thing I think is interesting about um, the bicycle, it's not just independence with regards to mobility. It's not just the ability to go and meet new people. But it's also independence because you learn a skill which I think is really edifying to know how to take care of your bike. Little air, mm -hmm. little yep. adjustments, knowing some tools, carrying the right stuff. And that goes a long way, I think, to psychologically becoming more confident uh, in the community. Um, so um, so what's the next uh, ride or activity for the Eastside Riders? You know what the next ride is, Nathan? Or you, you have something you want to talk about real quick? Oh, and I'm happy my family is involved with the things we do, in even my grandma, yeah. my cousins, yeah. and my my whole family. Yeah, you got, like 90% of the club is Nathan's family. Oh, really? <laughs> Shout out to everybody listening. We love y'all. 100%. 100%. <laughs> uh, so our next biggest ride, um, well, we, we're going to do another um, uh, book signing out in uh, Orange County at uh, Two Wheels, One Planet Bike Shop. Um, that We're looking at doing that um, February 16th. Um, but our next uh, big story bike ride, um, we, 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 um, our our next um, um, bike ride is uh, February uh, February sixth, no ninth, February ninth. Um, that's our ride for love, um, and we'll we'll be on our Facebook page. Um, people want to get in touch with us. It's one of our you know yeah. biggest best rides. Yeah. Uh, uh, mm -hmm. um, Nathan, our China. Um, which one of you guys want to read a little bit out of your out of, of your story? Me, you, both of you. Yeah. All right, cool. so read a little bit of it, okay. and then okay. So, so you know, introduce yourself. 
um, introduce the, 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 the title of your story, uh, and you got it. I'm going to just read a paragraph. There you go. Okay, so my story is Zoe the Saddle. Have you ever had a master? What well, I haven't do. Her name is Elizabeth, and she is the best master a saddle can have. One of the things that I like about her is how much fun we have, but what I like about most of all is how much she trusts me with her life. She has this strange, this strange way of knowing what to do to make me happy. <coughs> the, the end. Well, it's to be continued. To be continued. <laughs> 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 All right, Nathan. Only read a paragraph. Only read a paragraph. Read a paragraph, Nathan. Nathan. Read a paragraph. I'm gonna. I'm just gonna read it to all way two times. Okay, go ahead. Okay. Tony, my story is about Tony and Jose the Bells by. It feels good to know you're the best person in the whole world. This is what my owner Tony said when me we first met at his ninth birthday party. That was four years ago. I was wrapped in red, yellow, and green paper. I punched in a blue bag with he when he pulled me from the bag. I was nervous because all of his friends from school and his neighbor and Watts were standing around him. He was really happy when he saw that I was his favorite color, blue and red. I was so happy to finally have a friend that I could have fun with and make announcements for um, a bell. My name is Jose. Tony named me that one. We after we met, my job has been to make sure that people know when my friend Tony is coming. It was mostly pointing job of job a bike park can have. I should know I saved Tony from getting in, into really bad accident a lot of times. Alright. Till we awesome. continue. Till we continue. Ding, ding, ding. Yeah. <laughs> now, if, uh, <laughs> if someone were uh, wanting to hear the rest of that story, they could join you at the next signing, which is yeah, at Two, right two Wheels, One Planet one in planet. Costa Mesa. Um, we're looking at, um, uh, we have a, a, a date for February 16th. Um, and if they want to get their books early, um, they can go on Amazon and uh, pick up a book. Or they can contact us, um, and we'll, we'll have a few books um, as well over the next couple of weeks. That's excellent. Well, China and Nathan, thanks very much. I um, hope you're enjoying your, your first visit here to KPFK. Yeah. In the, uh, can I say something? <laughs> What's that? <laughs> can I say something? Yeah, absolutely. And when when your guys are at, if you guys want a book, come, come right now, come, wait, what, when? <laughs> <laughs> February, February 16th. February 16th. What day? That's a Saturday. Saturday. <laughs> <laughs> and then come get a book for, for you could read the rest of the book. And, and you're going to sign it? Yep. And, and when all the kids are in the book, we're going to sign it. Yep. That's Thank awesome. You.
Cool. Then he come right away. He don't come away. We might have books. So, um, <laughs> I don't have my calendar here, so I don't know where I'm going to oh be. Oh, my God. Shh, shh, shh. Uh, Sorry. And if I can make the book signing. But how could I find out more about the uh, Eastside Riders Bike Club? Um, um, the events, the rides, the mission, the kids, the... Multiple ways. You can go to our uh, website, www.esrbc.org. You can uh, visit us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, at Eastside Riders. Um, Eastside Riders. Uh, and then you can uh, email us if you want to email us, um, eastsidebikes at gmail.com. Um, and that can, you can ask us any questions you want um, through our Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, uh, website, email, and we'll answer them. Uh, we're, we're, we're happy to have anyone that want to volunteer and teach bicycle safety who want to um, improve the quality of life. Um, not only to our community, but to our, our youth and anyone that has uh, skills and, and, and helping us um, with, with website design and things like that. We are a profit organization, and um, we just look for more people to get involved and help us uh, with our mission. Excellent. So I know that um, – so thank you, China and Nathan, for uh, being here and for sharing your book with us. And uh, look forward And look forward to going on a ride with you. So um, – in the studio with us also tonight is uh, Yolanda Davis Overstreet, who um, I think that Yolanda first started riding with the uh, Eastside Riders uh, with a camera in one hand and a bicycle <laughs> handlebar in the other. Is that right? That is right. <laughs> 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 Met in Watts. Yeah, Met in Watts. About eight years ago, um, I met John um, in the alley, as they called it, of the Watts Labor. Watts Labor. You know how many great stories start off with, I met John Jones the third in an alley. Yeah, well, you know, what, what was so interesting is I was talking about the project of actually, uh, of actually gathering narratives of African Americans on bikes. And um, John's name was mentioned to me by someone earlier that day. And um, later that evening, uh, John would, appeared on the feed of Facebook. And I reached out to John and said, are you that guy that's doing bike stuff in Watts? And he said, I am that guy. And that's how it started. Uh, (laughs) That's how our uh, friendship, uh, gathering his narratives. And we went and we set a time to go out and meet him. Um, And we probably spent at least four hours uh, just standing there in the alley talking about uh, what they were doing, what he had started doing by meeting people. Uh, in whites and, and watts and basically just telling them to pretty much uh, take a lunch break right and yep. go out and ride bikes uh, in the watts community that's how i started off um just you know with a we're going over to wlcac tim watkins is asking him um to help us um be an organization and watch give us the tools that we need to know what 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 how how to contact people, how to be activists. Mm-hmm. And um, when we met Yolanda, um, I, I felt, it, you know, we, we made it, right? Because yes. someone come looking for us <laughs> to do so, to, to talk about the work that we're doing. I was just, you know, so ecstatic about that. And then, um, you know, not long after that, it's like we came out in one uh, um, a magazine and it was all the way in Japan or something like wow. that. Yeah. And then from there, it's just been everyone wanting to know about our club and i can say you know most of our introduction to this came from um came came from um um yolanda you know that's cool yeah so uh yolanda your uh your background is as an artist yes and a storyteller yes and uh we've had this conversation with other artists and storytellers because um 
it's such a key element uh, for activism to have yeah. great storytellers. And in fact, our greatest storytellers eventually become the activists rather than stand on the sidelines. So yeah. tell me about your journey from uh, from Otis where... Okay, sure. Well, first off, thank you for just inviting me uh, to come on the show. Uh, and basically, I went to Otis, and we talked about that, Otis Parsons, uh, here in L.A. I went to school in L.A. and New York, and my background is communication design. Mm -hmm. So I actually worked on uh, both graphic design, but also um, how to package, how to gather stories, right. and, and pretty much how to promote stories. And so one of the things I did actually when I stepped out and graduated in 84 uh, was to be able to see more people of color. So I'd already started advocating. I wanted to see more people of color in advertising agencies, mm -hmm. in design studios. And also I wanted to see our narrative shared yeah. um, in print materials. So um, on that journey, I actually started my own company um, because number one, I was never good enough. I didn't have a specific skill um, and or I needed more experience. Right. Well, how do you get more experience unless you're hired? <laughs> so basically, I started a company called the Westwork Group right. Um, right. back in the uh, 80s. Uh -huh. And uh, for years, uh, did graphic design for small businesses mm -hmm. and pretty much sharing that same conversation about how can we talk about what it is that we're doing and how does that benefit the community. So it was really equity mm -hmm. in um, communication design and marketing. And then I went on to do work with Fortune Magazine um, back uh, when we had the so-called civil unrest mm -hmm. and did an entire story connecting with Rebuild LA and um, all the corporations that were playing a part from a standpoint of diversity mm -hmm. and how companies were making sure that they were inclusive uh, in both in hiring mm -hmm. and their policies. Um, so that's how I got started pretty, pretty much from the design perspective and then became a mom mm -hmm. and I uh, didn't realize I had to advocate for my kids right. in school uh, and started advocating for them as it related to uh, their education, as it related to uh, learning styles and next thing you know it, I'm doing like this major advocating yeah. for my kids and pretty much I think that's where I really learned how to advocate. Excellent. Uh, it's amazing what your kids make you do. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, there was a, um, a study recently that uh, revealed that in the city of L.A., 75% of the um, incidence of the traffic violence yes. on our streets is taking place in about 6% of our streets. Yes. So the majority, the significant majority of the traffic violence is taking place on a very small number of streets, which... Interestingly enough, sadly enough, mm -hmm. are in the neighborhoods of, of uh, John and Yolanda, your neighborhoods. Mm -hmm. So wh what are you doing to advocate for safer streets in your neighborhood, not just for you, for your family, for your neighbors, but for your entire community? Can you tell us about the specific work that you're doing to advocate for safer streets? Sure. I think just before I do that, I just need to emphasize that you need to know why you're advocating, what you're advocating mm -hmm. for. And I think on that journey of, of gathering the narratives and developing a uh, ride in living color, uh, that the first question was, why doesn't my community have bike lanes? Mm -hmm. and why doesn't my community have crosswalks? Right. Because um, in riding with City of Bicycles in um, Inglewood, we rode, rode bikes together. And so we really, we were a pack. Mm -hmm. And so we really didn't look for bike lanes. So that really is what's, you know, spinned me off into recognizing as my daughter and I were walking to school in the West Adams, Mid-City area, that 
we don't have these bike lanes, we don't have these crosswalks, and we need to start advocating for them. You know, because in our, instead of going to Marina Del Rey or Culver City to school, mm-hmm. we need to make sure that we have safe routes to school right here in mm-hmm. West Adams and Mid-City. So I started advocating about five years ago for a charter school, the only middle school in that particular area um, that was on the corner of Washington Boulevard and Burnside mm-hmm. with 300 middle school students, no crosswalks, no traffic lights. Mm-hmm. And for a three-year period while my daughter was there, I became the squeaky wheel, <laughs> the parent, and uh, created my own uh, with the support of the staff, the teachers, the executive director, um, created a campaign mm-hmm. around we need safe streets. I think I ever stopped by. Yes, yes, and, and, and we even developed uh, bike clinics, uh, advocacy clinics, and John uh, was one of our volunteers that came um, a day from Ride On Co-op was another one, Donald Strauss yeah. from Antioch. I mean, I was pulling in everybody. <laughs> so you mentioned Donald Strauss. He's, yes. uh, he's an interesting guy. He um, is one of the Microwave uh, founders on um, the co-op on the west side um, where their mission is to get everyone on a bike, and they make it easy to you know, for you to work on your bikes. But he's also a professor at Antioch. Yes, and I he believe is. uh I believe that um you were working with Donald at the uh, at Antioch. Um Yeah, he's actually the founder or the co founder of the Urban Sustainability Masters program mm-hmm. there. And basically I met Don in a confident uh riding class mm-hmm. working to get my L C I and Donald followed me for the next two years and was telling me, well, he pretty much kind of, <laughs> uh, no, he basically just followed me and said, you need to be a part of this program. Yeah. And so for two years, I kind of st- started hanging out at Antioch, finding about the program, and um, then went back to graduate school uh, through this advocacy activism. And um, But, yeah, he's the founder. It's about yeah. an eight-year-old program. It's interesting that, um, you know, you mentioned sustainability, and, and uh, I also think of resiliency, two terms that get bandied about a great deal. But, you know, and so we think of, oh, look, I use less straws and, um, and I have my go bag in the closet in case there's an earthquake. <laughs> but really, that's so far from being a sustainable and resilient community. And I think it's, what's interesting is that the bicycle has done more for bringing us together as a community, yes. for helping us to be the community that can bounce back. Because when you get on a bike, it's a really personal experience. It is. It is. And you really are out there challenging the status quo in a yeah. unique personal way because right. there's a whole lot of people that will howl at you right out right out of the gate yeah. you know get off the, get on the sidewalk yeah, yeah. you get out of the way right. get buy a car <laughs> you know and um you know it used to kind of upset me and, until i realized you know this, it, it, it's it's not about me they're, yeah. they're just having their world turned inside upside down right. and i get it but it's a world that should be turned upside down yeah. and it's because there's such a um there's such a solid status quo that we're actually chipping away at something that's really, really hard, yes. you know. And so, um, and and you know, so my hats off to everyone that just gets on a bike and rides. I think that's one of the most significant things we can do to change the world is to model good behavior. Yes. And uh, the second thing is that we can, you know, I think that um, if I if I start a new bike club, it'll be the Squeaky Wheel Bike Club. I love that <laughs> idea. And we'll we'll that's get we'll have bike. bells and we'll just squeak, squeak all around away. the neighborhood yes, like yes, we're yes. not going away. <laughs> <laughs> But, um, but you know, the thing is that uh, there's a lot of advocates, and we advocate often from a personal experience. You know, you look out the front door, and it starts with your, you know, your front door, your street, right. your neighbors. But you've also advocated at the state level, at the county level, um, at the uh, city level. Yes, 
with regards, national. yeah, and the national. Oh, yeah, yeah. with with regards to some specific funding. And I know you're right in the middle of a project right now to bring some money yes. to the streets of your neighborhood. Can you tell us about the uh, Vision Zero, and then about this this project you've got in your neighborhood? Okay, well, this is a fund my street, so mm-hmm. actually everybody can go to. Uh, Twitter and uh, retweet. Uh-huh. Uh, look for LACBC Los Angeles Bike okay. uh, Co- Los Angeles County Bike Coalition and retweet that handle. Uh, you can also go to Ride and Living Color on Twitter and retweet the the particular tweet that has our video uh, in it. And that will focus. Mm-hmm. That takes it a step further in terms of focusing on the school that I've been advocating for for the past five years, uh-huh. uh, the cross the intersection of Washington Boulevard and Burnside. And so at this point, we've made it to the second round. Great. And the second round is to see how many retweets we get. Mm-hmm. Uh, but also, you know, to look at the need, I hope, of what's happening in that community because we're less than a mile away from the 10 freeway. Right. And there's loads of cars going down Washington Boulevard. You know, mm-hmm. you know um, it's a shame that you have to be an expert at everything. I, I wrote an article once about how riding a bike makes you smarter. And the reason it makes you smarter is because you, yeah. uh, you master physics pretty quick or else you're just never going to be in the right gear. <laughs> and um, so you, you, you pretty much get out of the gate with regards to the law. And all of a sudden, everyone on a bike is a lawyer because they're starting to throw in. You know, it's like, who on the streets knows CVC-21? And I'll tell you, a, a cyclist. cyclist. <laughs> yeah. And so the, we end up mastering so many things. And all of a sudden, we're transportation engineers and can tell you about weight, yeah. uh, uh, lane yeah. widths. And uh, we can talk about friction. And we can talk about, you know, 17 kind of uh, enhancements for uh, intersection and shark's teeth. And, like, and, and engineers right. sometimes, or law enforcement looks at us like they gotta go scratch scratch look it up but um, we've had some interesting times when the police have pulled us over and pulled out the book and discovered that uh oh it's not they learned something yeah they learned something we had a crazy incident in gardena about about that um and uh, gardena wind up uh and well coming up to age with their laws um when they pulled over a few of us and we happened to have a camera crew with us and um we actually told that story and next thing you know gardena pd through lacvc was taking uh bicycle safety classes that's awesome (laughs) hey i just met with the uh, la sheriff's uh department today and uh they asked for the cyclist bill of rights and they asked for the video that the lapd developed uh with the cyclist lapd task force which was the rights and responsibilities of cyclists because it's just strange to the law enforcement it's strange the law is complicated Mm -hmm. let alone to the public and so but but to bring it back uh to how we're all getting smarter Mm -hmm. we're all becoming transportation engineers Mm because i can tell you that any cyclist worth their you know worth their salt knows the the width of a bike lane Mm -hmm. and and a gutter pan and a gutter pan like (laughs) why do i need to know that and it's because we're the advocates to bring the project to the neighborhood. Yes. Right. So um, you've been advocating for some specific improvements, but also the Vision Zero improvements is kind of like a whole catalog of stuff that's being done on some of the most dangerous boulevards and streets in the city of L.A. Mm-hmm. And so with Vision Zero, what was your role? Uh, well, basically, I worked with uh, Ade Falade uh, over at Ride On. Uh-huh. Co-op. Um, I've also, for the past uh, three years, been studying um, in, in my graduate studies Vision Zero, mm-hmm. um, and that was uh, a part of my focus on my capstone. Um, so for the the time, which I'm no longer working directly with a day with the Vision Zero project, but um, there will be changes in my community, West Adams mm-hmm. corridor in particular. And um, my concern with Vision Zero, however, 
is that um, the enforcement component right. of it. I know you've had other folks talk about that. Um, it is definitely a need, but I just think we also need to look at what's lacking before we actually go into discussing enforcement. Mm -hmm. um, and that is education. Right. Um, that is infrastructure. And those are things that I'm really um, emphasizing and, and speaking directly with folks that are um, involved with Vision Zero uh, in particular. And I also was on the task force with uh, Amelia Crotty um, with the, um, what is it, LA Alliance right. um, of Vision Zero. Mm -hmm. And so we, with Advancement Project California, and we directly went in and also, there was a proposal made to LAPD in terms of transparency right. and that we can find ways to um, better uh, address, you know, this issue. So you're kind of tiptoeing mm -hmm. uh, on the subject. Okay. But um, well, I think that a, a, a few <laughs> sessions ago, we talked yeah. about the ease. Yes. And whenever, yeah, you, did. whenever you go ask for money, they want to know. Mm-hmm. What's the engineering? Which means, what, what, are you, what are you planning to build here mm -hmm. with our millions of dollars? Mm -hmm. And so you've got to have an engineering answer. Correct. And then they ask, um, well, is there an enforcement element? Mm -hmm. Well, yeah, we're going to have the police help us write tickets. Yeah. Like, that's, all of a sudden you start to see that the project has political will. Correct. Because um, the largest department in the city of L.A. is the billion-dollar uh, LAPD, and, of course, LAPD is going to advocate for more radar. Right. Right? Because mm -hmm. that's a headcount issue. That's a budget issue. That's, mm -hmm. like, putting their gear to work. Mm -hmm. And I, I remember that in our conversation today with the, when, when I was uh, with the, um, at the sheriff's department, I, I said, imagine if we were all bored. Imagine if there wasn't a law enforcement issue. Imagine if there wasn't a public health issue. Imagine if there wasn't traffic violence. Imagine if all of us bureaucrats were just bored wouldn't that be great <laughs> you know what i mean like what if yeah. we just didn't have work right and i think it'd be so cool if we could reshift reshift if we could shift mm -hmm. from uh, enforcement into education and encouragement yeah. same people doing the same thing but why are we On the hoping deep. to catch people doing Correct. something Correct. as opposed to why don't we just what if we looked at some strategies for working together to make this street just sort of hum so that everybody felt comfortable walking, riding a bike, hopping on a scooter, pushing a wheelchair. You know, imagine if it was just a street that was law enforcement boring. Well, I can, I can imagine that. Yeah. But I think the problem is that we do have people involved mm -hmm. in law enforcement and higher places that cannot imagine it. Mm-hmm. And so that's where the problem is. So I imagine sitting down at the table with these people and, you know, discussing how change can happen mm -hmm. and really having that hard talk. Right. Um, I imagine people like John, like John is saying, he's actually stepping into LAPD. I imagine people like John, you know, being able to go in and begin that process of planting the seed to make change. Mm -hmm. um, but I think that's the only way it's going to happen. Yeah. Um, I also imagine community empowering themselves so I imagine the, the very people, and so that is what leads me into the Neighborhood Council, mm -hmm. um, is that we need to educate our community members more. Right. And then I imagine them standing up mm -hmm. for change, standing up to LAPD, to our um, two policies that are out there. And right. Yeah. You know, I, um, I think that a lot of... Uh a lot of the LAPD strategy is community policing, and, and, and 
let's go countywide. A lot of law enforcement strategy is community policing, but I think that an equally strong force is culture. Mm -hmm. When we model good behavior, when we encourage good behavior, Mm -hmm. rather than when we crack down on Mm -hmm. bad behavior. And I think that a lot of times folks just don't know. John and I... um, you know, have uh, spent some time together in the league certified instructor classes, mm-hmm. you know, where you and your league certified instructor with yes. Donald Strauss. Yes. And it's kind of eye opening because it's not intuitive. It's not common sense. It's not like, duh, doesn't everybody know? Yeah. It's yeah. like, what? I had no idea. Yeah, that's of true. all of the strategies for surviving on the street, right? Yeah. Wow. I, d- I had no idea that I could do all these things to survive. And of the. Of the um, incidents that uh, are of danger to a cyclist, half of them are motorists and half of them are cyclists. Mm-hmm. So straight out of the gate, half the things that can take me down, I can just prevent because they're on me. Yeah. The other half, I can say, well, I there's nothing I can do about that big car. There's a, there's a <laughs> strategy for every single situation. And it's so true. empowering yeah. to be filled with education or knowledge or skills That's very as true. opposed to... Um, just having someone give me another lecture. Like, oh, good, another lecture. That's certainly <laughs> going to help me. Just what I was waiting for. Yeah, <laughs> perfect. So I do know two things, um, and, and that's why I, I point that out all the time. I'm so proud of the fact I know two things. <laughs> no, I do know two things, and one is that, uh, and number one, uh, death on our streets is disproportionate. Mm. It is not demographically even, and that's just weird. Why mm. would it be occurring in specific demographic groups? That's a good question for us to ask. And that's one I don't want to ask. That's one I, I want to ask the engineers. That's one I want to ask uh, the law enforcement. Mm-hmm. Like, why is death happening in this intersection to this demographic group? Right. And one might suggest, well, you know, men are just a little more reckless. So, well, it's a 60% are male. I got it. But... Mm-hmm. But um, it gets a little bit more specific than that. Yeah. And so that's something I think we should take a look at. Is it because it's not getting the support, that neighborhood mm-hmm. or that community or that street? Is it not getting the engineering support, mm-hmm. the funding support, the city support in mm-hmm. terms of services? Are the streets not being maintained? Because I do know that half the collisions occur because someone weebles and wobbles. Yep. And they came out of nowhere. No, actually, they were trying to avoid taking a header in a, in a pothole or yeah. they were trying to go around some broken glass on a street that doesn't get maintained. Yeah. Right. So perhaps it is safer in Brentwood or, or, or the Palisades. I don't know. No. Um, I do know Sunset through the backside of USC, <laughs> uh, UCLA. <laughs> Woo, that's just yeah. a crazy street. Yeah, so I do is. know some crazy streets all over the city. Yes, yeah. But I do think that the sign of a healthy city is when you see people walking and riding their bikes, um, when you see people comfortable co- crossing the street without having to run. Like, yeah. why right, do we exactly. still have to scurry Exactly. To cross the street. Yeah. Um, But the other thing is that... uh, I just wanted to say something on that, too, is that, I mean, in some cases it's very obvious, you know, why um, the accidents, why people are getting killed, why kids are getting hit. Mm -hmm. Again, the infrastructure does not exist. Right. And therefore that means that the funding doesn't exist. But education does play a big part. But I think education more so in not... Oh, the reason people are getting hit is because we don't have infrastructure. No, duh. You know, we need to educate community on how to get infrastructure. Right. You know, how to definitely, um, you. I mean, to lecture someone and tell them how to be careful 
is not going to be as effective as how to become an advocate. Right. And also to uh, lecture someone and tell them how not to be a victim Mm -hmm. normalizes the idea that perhaps it was their fault. And then that legitimizes to the motorist, see, my right to get home quickly right. <laughs> just got disrupted by you getting away of my car. Right. As opposed to, see, this is back to um, rather than shooting radar on a, on a big wide street, yeah. why don't we slow the street down? Mm-hmm. 28 to 35 is the optimum uh, for capacity and for throughput, which is a phrase I should never use in public, but I learned it from an engineer. Mm-hmm. Like if you want to maximize the amount of people getting somewhere efficiently it's 28 to 35 yet everyone thinks 35 to 45 is ideal 45 to 55 is even better no because it creates space and it reduces capacity and it causes tension Hmm. um and so you know i know nobody wants to hear these engineering talks in a community meeting but i totally agree that raising up a neighborhood and a community of folks that um feel comfortable advocating for what they want i mean that's what the neighborhood council system is all about and i know john that you probably went to an average of six or seven neighbor council meetings or seven, seven or eight. How many neighbor councils did you end up working with? Um, I used to go to about four or five. Four or five. Um, one, one is actually in the district that I took care of. The mm-hmm. other ones was right on the outside okay. mm-hmm. of the districts. Actually, two of them was in the district that I worked in, uh, Harbor Gateway North and oh, yeah, Watts. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I went to other ones just to um, talk about what we was doing mm-hmm. and, and, and our community. Um, and, and, you know, one thing you don't hear in neighborhood councils, actually you don't hear too much in communities, is um, the safety on the streets when it comes to pedestrian safety and uh, cycling. Mm-hmm. Um, you hear more of um, we need to have uh, protection for kids going back and forth to school, but that's to keep them away from the gangs. When right. you're talking about Watts and Harbor Gateway area in South L.A. Mm-hmm. Um, but you don't hear too much about kids riding their bikes to school or walking to school. Um, the is, a, is there a crosswalk close to my school or is there a time light uh, close to my school? You don't hear those things. So um, mm-hmm. so those are more things that, that, that we're pushing, you know, to hear, I mean, to talk about in the communities that, that I um, service. I think that um, folks mean well and they advocate for what they know. Right. And everyone says, I want a speed hump. Yep. As if that's the only strategy <laughs> on earth. For making the streets safer. Well, in the neighborhood I grew up in, that's the that's that's that that means goes fast, go faster. See how, <laughs> see how high we can get. <laughs> so, uh, but I do think that the conversation in the neighborhood councils, uh, as far as elevating it, I think that it's kind of priming the pump. The more things you push forward, as far as informing and educating and empowering people on options, you know, things you could ask for. We do this uh, workshop called uh, Secrets, to, Secrets to Success. Mm-hmm. Everyone knows how to complain. Right. All day long they can complain, but we just get them into three beats, which is figure out what you want, figure out who's got it, learn to ask for it. You can do that in the elevator before you get to the 10th floor. Mm-hmm. No, no, i got to tell you how pissed off I am about something. You know, they'll stay in anger or frustration. Right. Our, our neighborhood's just right. not safe. Yeah. You know, if you made a list of stuff you wanted, there's a good chance you'll get some of it. Right, wow. right. Yeah. The next developer that comes along, hand in the list. They'll, they'll be so happy to cut the two-year period short. Right. That's all you wanted? Well, yeah, yeah, like a swimming a pool, point. too. Okay, a swimming pool. How do I just want to move this forward? Yeah. Yeah. But, you know, uh, and so I think that folks often, I think with Vision Zero, what was interesting is it has informed a lot of neighborhoods on things you can ask for. Do you want a ped scramble where right. the intersection is just pedestrians? Totally cool. No. Oh, yeah, I want one of those. Like, do you want the advanced limit lines? Do you want the pedestrian leads on the walk phase? Like, I didn't know we could ask for that. You know, so I think that's way cool, uh, the work you're doing with Vision Zero and informing 
the communities on these corridors? Yeah, I think um, I think we need a lot more work mm-hmm. done in that area. I think that is something that definitely the neighborhood councils um, could really, in terms of partnering in more, you know, innovative ways, right. meaningful ways, um, because I think a lot of the community in West Adams and Mid-City still have that question mark right. over their head. What is this vision? I've heard a little about, you know, what it is, but um, can you tell me more? Mm-hmm. And so I think um, that's something that in pushing forward, I would like to find ways that we can um, both share with the community, but also have those deeper, more meaningful right. conversations with Vision Zero, that this is actually what community is saying. And I think before some of the work is done, that we can actually get more participants out mm-hmm. um, so that they can be involved in that right. decision making of what's about to happen in their community. I mean, mm-hmm. between Vision Zero and, you know, developments, it's a lot. Right. You know, um, I, I totally appreciate the work you're doing uh, with the kids as far as uh, storytelling, because that's the that's the whole gist of it, I think, is that folks need to tell a good story yeah. right. and they need to they need to speak up and, and let people know what they need. Otherwise, the neighbor council will just re- approve the same things they approved last year. The Department of Transportation will approve the same grants they approved. La- like nothing will change. Right. And we know, um, you know, the 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 the, the kids in the um, the six six to ten. Yes. The number one cause of death at that age in L.A. is traffic violence. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 150 years ago, it was tuberculosis. Oh, we took mm-hmm. care of that. Mm-hmm. Diphtheria. Oh, we took care of that. Mm-hmm. Uh, drowning in pools. Oh, yeah. We, everyone put a fence around the pool. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. Just so simple. Yeah. If you, you can't get insurance if you don't put a fence around the pool. Mm-hmm. Everyone put a fence around the pool. Like, and now it's traffic violence. Oh, wow. Immovable. Yeah. Can't do nothing <laughs> about that. Got to get home quickly. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so your right, to, your right to travel safely and free of fear? Yeah, no. I got to get home. Yeah. And all of a sudden, we've hit this wall, and I think that uh, it's going to require teaching kids to be better storytellers and to fight for what's right to be the squeaky wheel. I think it's, uh, you know, advocates really mm-hmm. engaging uh, law enforcement, yes. the engineers, the designers, the political uh, forces, and uh, and pushing for um, innovations. Yeah. And I, I think uh, also, yeah, I think what you're doing with the kids is going to be a great tool uh, to be able to figure out ways that we can connect those stories with other work that we're doing. You know, I would love to be able to, with the schoolwork and with children, I would like to be able to figure out how I can get, order a bunch of books yeah. so that we can make it a part of our package when we're talking about safety with K through uh, 8. Yeah, um, um, all of these kids that's in our bike club, um you know, even the, the the youngest ones, they all they all have taken the bike safety class, the beast class, the bicycle education and safety training, and they all ride their bikes. You know, on the street, and they know where to ride their bikes. They know the hand signals. So um, each one of these kids went through the class. Um, most recently, our last class had almost 20 uh, people from the community. Wow. So we're, we're 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 trying to get out there. We're trying to have that gap close of the next generation. When 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 I get a little older and and probably don't want to ride my bike around anymore, we have that that generation there that's going to help keep it going. You cool, know? cool. So we don't have a gap. <laughs> you know, uh, Yolanda, your background in uh, marketing and communications. I also think is um, dramatically missing in what we're doing because we live in a city where someone said, instead of calling it um, water reclamation, let's call it toilet to tap water. And I'm like, you th- someone really? thought of that? <laughs> right. Well, yeah, it came from the same <laughs> group that me. said no, road, diet. <laughs> road diet. Road <laughs> diet. Oh, yeah. Road, road diet's diet. how you 
communicate somebody's losing something. Yeah, right. My plate just got like smaller. Negative. Yeah. Yeah. I'm getting smaller portions. I don't want right. less. I want more. So right. they're not selling abundance and health and livable Safety. communities and quality of life. They're yeah. selling less. Yeah. So uh, with a nod to Don Ward, mm-hmm. um, he Roll came up. up uh, what's that? Roadblock. Roadblock. <laughs> he came up with uh, road buffets. Road buffets. Oh, Something oh. for everybody. Yes. We got nothing but enhancements for your neighborhood at the buffet. So, yes, yes. And so I think that uh, in terms of storytelling, it's not just engaging uh, the storytellers of, of all ages and making sure we're part of the process. Uh, but it's also, uh, Yolanda, as you sit on the West Adams Neighborhood Council, it's just normalizing the conversation. So cyclists aren't freaks in the middle of the night, riding the wrong way, and you know, in the, you know, anonymously, they're actually the people that sit to the left, to the right, and you know what? We're all pedestrians. That's right. Yeah. And um, and so uh, on that note, it it normalizes our place in the community. But the other thing is that the language, you know, the vocabulary, the you know, normalizing. It's not strange. We're not, we're actually just making the street a whole heck of a lot better. Right. And it's an experience. Mm -hmm. I mean, basically, I think also in communities of color in particular, this hasn't been an example. You know, my mom and and generations before that were not having these conversations about transportation. Mm -hmm. What's the big deal? I mean, when, when I did the AIDS ride years ago, they thought something was wrong with me, you know, in terms <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, you would, are you, are you okay? You know, so basically, and, and now even riding with bike groups yeah. and, you know, showing that excitement, it's kind of like, really? Is it really that exciting? Yeah. You know, um, and so I think just making it something where we are able to talk around mm-hmm. the table and uh, with family or friends that don't do it and for them to be um, more comfortable with right. that conversation. Mm-hmm. And I think we, we actually, I don't know about you, John, but I know that, um, there's a lot of work to be done, you know, in that area mm-hmm. with that demographic. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm kind of like the the odd woman out that's been doing this riding and this advocating and talking about transportation uh, for some years now. Mm-hmm. And, um, and then also for advocating. Because also advocating for bike riding and walking, which I really enjoy walking too in my community, um, is it's going to make a difference in terms of our environmental mm-hmm. issues. And so in West Adams, we have some of the worst air pollution right. uh, because of uh, traffic congestion. I'm sure you guys do too, yeah. uh, John. And so, you know, that really at the intersection, we really need to be having that conversation mm-hmm. too, how biking, walking, and, and, and kind of coming together as community right. to move around safely, mm-hmm. you know, um, we can do this. Um, yeah. And this is what, these are the benefits of what's going to come you know, from that, including our environment. You know, uh, I've been um, I've been on the road uh, with the Mobility Bill of Rights uh, recently. Mm-hmm. And it's, you know, it basically starts off with we all have the right to travel safely and free of fear. Mm-hmm. And I think that one thing non-cyclists can thank cyclists for is once we get the conversation going, we no longer build streets for motor vehicles and force streets for motor vehicles and then if there's any room left over, feel free to <laughs> ride your bike or walk Correct, across right. the street. or yeah. Like right by the curb. Yeah. And so <laughs> I think that and the, the big shift for cyclists is to stop talking about riding a bike and just talk about the fact that we all start off as users of this road. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so pedestrians shouldn't have to go three sides, three cycles to cross the street. Mm-hmm. And accessing the metro mm-hmm. shouldn't require a zigzag journey that's non-intuitive like here's where they all come out of usc mm-hmm. they should just get on the metro here mm-hmm. no two turns why mm-hmm. well because we don't want to interfere with the exit of the parking structure mm-hmm. like well why not mm-hmm. 
Like who who built yeah. that? <laughs> anyway, but I think that the, I think that's a that's a shift that's on the horizon, and it's up to us to keep it going. Mm-hmm. But the conversation. Let's start off thinking of everyone, and make yep. it work for everyone, yeah. as opposed to put bike lanes where they fit, right. crosswalks if there's any room, <laughs> right. and sort of like it's uh, if there's any if there's anything left over, if there's any change in the sofa, we'll go ahead and buy something for. The non-vehicular, uh, uh, <laughs> the active transportation. <laughs> but, um, hey, uh, so John had just told us about a book he's reading, uh, Bikes Need Love Too. Bikes Need Love Too. And uh, what book are you reading? Well, I'm reading a lot of books. Yeah. <laughs> uh, any, I know I, we've talked about yeah. it. Um, I think uh, one of the key books that's really just kind of helped me from a standpoint of the racial profiling uh, that we need to be, you know, aware of is Ale- uh, Michelle Alexander's mm-hmm. The New Jim Crow. And basically just to be- recognize, you know, the justice issues that we really need to think about when we're talking about transportation right. and open spaces. Mm-hmm. Um, and then also a really cool book by another woman by the name of Virginia Eubanks. And it's called Automating Inequality, um, another whole long tagline there. But um, basically, she talks about data, gathering data, right. and how that data will be used to help um, create uh, so-called safety mm-hmm. in our communities. And so we have to really look at how data is being used now. Mm-hmm. And I think, John, when uh, if you can do that when you start with the <laughs> LAPD, um, but basically the gathering of data that is done in a just way, transparent uh, way and um, and then another book is called City of Segregation in LA um, and for the past hundred years there's been you know a lot of segregation and um, inequality has and so we're working on that right. so this is always this is just work you know that's evolving mm-hmm. and so I think the thing is if we know this is happening how do we really work to transition because I think this is important time right. to really look at how are we going to transition into a democracy that's for all of us right. as you mm-hmm. said and that mobility um, justice bill that mm-hmm. you've worked on. How can we really sit down and truly make that happen? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that uh, you touched on a couple of things. When I say make it work for everybody, initially I was thinking of all different modes of transportation. Yeah. But another approach is make it work for everybody, like every neighborhood that's and right. every demographic. That's right. And we know there's an inequity. Um, Alex Thompson, who's uh, in San Francisco now uh, working on some sort of genius project because he's kind of a smart guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, Alex okay. Thompson of the Bike Riders Collective, uh, who was the co-author of the Cyclist Bill of Rights, the dude's a di- okay. data scientist. Like, he wins every debate. Wow. <laughs> like, if, if, if you've got the data yeah. and if you've got the science, like, we don't need to – what are you bringing your emotions here for? Let's just talk about the truth, yeah. which is the most dangerous streets in L.A., most right. dangerous uh, yeah, intersection in the state of California right. is in Northridge, outside CSUN. Wow. But statistically, of that 75% of the casualties taking place on the 6% of the streets, the majority of those are in your neighborhood. Yeah. And that's just data, and that's just science. Like, we don't have anything to debate. We can point at the intersection, and now what's missing? And that's when we should look at that road buffet and say, (laughs) let's just go ahead and start putting the solutions in there. (laughs) Let's eat. Let's do this. Because um, I think that mobility justice is an interesting phrase that we should be using more – on a more regular basis, which yeah. is straight up, is it working for everybody? No, then we're not done. Yeah. Uh, so the engineers to get, need to get back at the table. Law enforcement needs to get back at the table. The community needs to get back at the table because I think that uh, that's a fair goal for everybody that we should all get home safely and free of fear. Yeah. And we should mm-hmm. all be able to get home and enjoy the evening with our families. Yeah, yeah. And I, I totally think that in having these conversations, um, that is really what I'm, where the magic happens, you know, by, as you mentioned, the storytelling, the narratives, and the data. 
uh, working together is a powerful thing. And I got to um, actually learn more about that when I was doing field work at Advancement Project um, here in L.A. And so that was one of the two key formulas, data, narratives. Mm -hmm. And how can we start doing that even more? How can we saturate, you know, our communities with this and then go all the way to policy? Um, and that and, and actually it starts connecting with policy even more. It's like a puzzle, mm-hmm. you know, that starts clicking in, I believe, because we're able to share those stories, have that data. And so when we're talking to policymakers, you know, they're able to hopefully get a better perspective of what we're really talking about. Mm-hmm. But if we go there just with narrative, right. you know, it's like, well, you don't have any data. Right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and if you go with data, then, you know, I don't know. I don't know how they really just mm-hmm. work with it. It's, it's not, um, we're, we're not touching into the humanity part right. of it. Yeah. Yeah, compelling stories get the conversation going, and the, the data and the science gets us to the solution. Yeah. And I think that um, just like uh, activists and uh, policymakers and neighborhood council community leaders working together, often we're in the, it's the same person. Yeah, I'm, I'm looking at uh, you two, and I'm thinking, well, you both have three hats on, yeah. you know, because yeah. you're, uh, you're all. But, um so, John, I want to thank you for uh, joining us and for bringing the Eastside Riders and uh, Bikes Need Love too. Yep, thank you, thank you, thank you. Uh, to the show tonight, to Bike Talk, and um, and Nick's uh, faithfully keeping us on track here. But you're also working with Nick at his school. Is that correct? Yeah, my dad is. Uh, oh, your dad is. Yeah, my yeah. dad is. Um, now I'll probably have a little Senior. more time to to come down yeah. um, and do some work um, with with the kids as well. Um, so cool. my dad has been going for for a while now. Um, and, and, you know, we have other guys in the club that probably we can get involved as well. Cool. Oh, wow. You know, uh, how cool would it be if we had a cyclist adopt, uh, adopt every school Very around cool. the city? Yeah. Um, you know, and to see if we could get the squeaky wheels, East Side Riders could franchise. Yes. Yeah. And uh, we've become a bicycle dynasty okay. here. And uh, Well, you know, East Side Riders have um, six different chapters, right? Yeah. yeah we, we're across the um, country. We have Detroit. Oh, really? We've got Detroit, Tennessee. Wow. Um, Louisiana. We're in Tennessee. Um, it's... Uh, uh, uh shoot can't remember uh etchio etchio okay etchio community in tennessee um and then uh detroit and um louisiana wow. and um indianapolis um so we we, we that's we're, awesome we're getting out yeah. there um they have to do more yeah you know have the same model we have here um detroit is just as old as us um we we've been talking uh, for a while but they've they've been around for 10 years as well wow. so you know we're kind of the two yeah. spearheads of it and then we have the other groups that's been out about one or two years that's awesome uh so yolana thanks for joining us i look forward Thank to you. working with you on the mobility bill of rights yes. and uh, neighbor council yeah. Uh, yeah we're taking it the mobility bill of rights to the neighbor councils for endorsement and people say, well, what good is an endorsement? Well, we just had a conversation yes, about yes. public safety, about traffic violence, and about the rights of all of us to correct, use our streets correct. and to, to look at our streets as a city asset. So I think that a conversation is the beginning of a great relationship, and yes. a great relationship yeah. is the beginning of a solution, and mm-hmm. a solution is the be- beginning of a great city. Yes. And, you know, I think that um, – so I look forward to working with you. For sure, uh, for sure. Not just at West Adams. Um, no, let's, but, let's take it. Let's, yeah. let's just take the whole city. <laughs> By the way, if anyone is interested – Interested in uh, finding their neighborhood council. This is the election season, so elections are coming up um, on the fifteenth. Uh, this the five Hollywoods. The candidate filing for the five Hollywoods closes on the fifteenth, and um, so it goes around the city. There's twelve regions, and um, if you go to empowerla.org, you can uh, enter your address and figure out which neighborhood council is yours. And uh, you know, you mentioned the the gateway. Mm-hmm. That's so interesting because everyone thinks they live in Gardena because the post office 
is the Gardena post Gardena office. Gardena or Carson. Yeah, or, or Carson. <laughs> and, uh, you know, when you dial 911, it depends, you know, depends which way the wind is blowing yeah. who you're going to end up getting. But the city of L.A. is so big that yeah, oftentimes I get calls from, like, Inglewood. And I'm like, okay, you know, that's another city. And they're <laughs> all, well, whatever. But just <laughs> can you send some help. But, you know, we live in such a yeah. large place. But when yeah. you ride a bike, it becomes like this small town yeah. Yeah. with familiar faces or new best friends. Like, yes. you know, it's it's the opportunity to, to bring it down to human size. And I think that's really cool about a, a big city is the opportunity to... You know, four million people, but a whole lot of uh, folks and familiar faces. That's true. Maybe a seat on the neighborhood council should be a bike advocate uh, on the neighborhood council. You know, I mean. it would be totally awesome, I think, that if we could get a cyclist on every neighborhood council. It, it would just normalize the fact, you know, I'm just like you and me. I just want yeah. to go home and see my family at the end of the day. Yeah. yeah. And here's the deal. Like, how can we make this work for everybody? What's the common ground look like? Yeah. Yeah, it's a lot of educating because mm-hmm. that's basically as a, uh, a uh, council member at large mm-hmm. um, of the West Adams um, neighborhood council, transportation, transportation equity is, again, an unfamiliar mm-hmm. conversation. Yeah. So, you know, dig in and yep. do my best. Yeah. Excellent, excellent. So thanks, John. Thanks, Yolanda. And Nick, uh, Always, as always, thank you for uh, thank you. more where, than a where, decade bike of bike talk. Where's oh, the bike bill? Let me reach over here. Where's the bike bill? There we go. <laughs> 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 thanks, guys. Thanks for listening to this episode of Bike Talk. If you want to hear more, go to kpfk.org, navigate to programs, and choose Bike Talk. On the Bike Talk page, click on the archives link to play or download shows posted in the last four months. Go to biketalk.com and copy or click on the RSS link to subscribe. Our Twitter handle is BikeTalkPFK. On Facebook, we are Bike Talk. You can become friends and join our group.